Well, you got buttloads of like pirates and stuff that yeah, we've been tons coming through. This pirate supposedly hid their treasure in this place. What's up, fool? That's my dog. Yeah, that fool calmed down. And then I told that fool, I said, stalk yourself forever, ever. No, bro. Really sorry for saying bro. Hey, come on, it's fear mongering. I ain't no clown. It's all fake. I know what you're up to. All right, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a fool. fool. Oh yeah, Talkful Radio. Yeah, what's up, dog? What's up, what's up, dogs? What's up, Bouse? This is Stephen Lee Clark, the head coach, and this is another episode of Talkful Radio. I'm actually, because you know I'm never in fucking one spot for more than what, a week, right? I'm coming to you from the beautiful uh, Bay Area, right? It was a little emotional coming back here for me, right? Because I haven't been back here in a while. Um, we played a couple shows. We played in LA. We played in the fucking desert. We played in a festival run by hippies and and, and, and garage rockers, right? And 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 I inhaled uh, 2.3 pounds of dust, right? And I feel crazy. But then you know we went to we came up to the bay. We played Treasure Island, which let me tell you something, okay? Okay. Well, this I'm gonna get in. Okay, so this whole uh, two weeks, right? This is pretty rare for me, right? You guys might seem weird to you because when I talk to you, I'm fucking excited to talk to you, right? So it's like, eh, Stephen Lee Clark is a fucking happy fool. Wrong, all right? Wrong. I've never been happy in my life, okay? I've never laughed. Nothing's funny to me ever, but I will say that this past two weeks has been a very positive two weeks, right? It was very positive. It felt good, okay? It felt really good, uh, Hang out with some friends, right? So, so basically, went to LA. We had a couple shows there. I stayed with the wonderful human being. I don't even want to call him a human being because I don't. Even, I'm not even sure if that's what he is, right? He's like, he's like, he's like a human being, like hybrid, uh, like like evolved so far past us that he's just this like entity of light that you can you can't even really look at right and his name is kern okay so you guys know kern he was on an episode uh with me the wreck and reference episode and so kern again so kern is is this like he, he he's one of my favorite people in life to sit down and just talk right so i realized when i when i flew into la went to kern's house and i went like this i, I looked at kern and i was like hey what's up kern and he's like, what's up? And then we sat down and we talked, okay? Now, that might seem like not seem like a big deal to you, right? But me, okay, Stephen Lee Clark, I live in New York. And I have good, I have good friends that live in New York. They're really good people and, and, and I like hanging out with them. But I kind of live this like life of solitude, right? I don't do shit with other humans, okay? So I wake up, I, I, I go for my walk. And then I read a lot and, 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 and work on this shit, right? And I, and I, and I have my own uh, musical project called Field Agent, right? So I'm just super busy. And I realized I was like talking to Kern and I was like, dude, I don't ever talk, right? I don't ever talk. I never talk. Like when I'm at home, I just walk and, and I listen to podcasts, listen to music and I, and I laugh to myself I talk to myself like, that's a good one. Remember that. And that's pretty much it. I don't fucking talk to anybody, right? It's so, like, I'll go watch football. 
uh, at my my favorite bar over the eight, and that's pretty much it. That's like the the extent of my interactions, right? So. It was really nice. I like got to LA and I was like sitting down with Kern and we were just talking. And I was like, dude, your mind makes my mind better, right? Because it makes me think about different shit, right? I'm stuck in this world of Stephen Lee Clark, right? Where I only uh, think, you know, through the Stephen Lee Clark filter. And it's nice to have another human, like if you can call him that, human's filter to bounce ideas off you, blah, blah, blah. So again, that's how I started this off, right? I hung out with some friends that mean a lot to me. I hung out with Wreck and Reference. We know those guys, right? They're really fucking cool and highly intelligent. Okay, and you know what else happened? I was in the desert, and there's and and, and I I met with my friend Sean, who's in this band Glitter Wizard, right? And let me tell you something about Sean. Me and Sean were in a band together, right? And we had a lot of fun. It was called Stairs, and I hadn't talked to Sean for years, right? And I was just like, dude it's so good to see you. Right. And he was, and we were laughing and like all this shit. And, 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 and then I saw my friend Deb from drab majesty, right. Who I haven't seen since I left LA. And I was like, dude, it's so good to see everybody. It's so good to see you. Right. And we, and we, and we, and we broke down and we had fun. And you know what? It just made me think like sometimes, right. You just, you know, no reason, nothing bad. You just fall out of touch with people, right? And I, let me tell you something. I and I'm not good at much, but I am good at falling out of touch with people, right? I don't know why. I just, I just stop talking to people, and it sucks, right? And and and, and sometimes you fall out of touch. You're just two different, uh, you know, humans on different paths. But then those paths converge again, right? And you're just like, oh shit, what's up? And then you fucking hang out and it's a really positive feeling, right? It's a really positive feeling. So yeah, that was wonderful. It's always good to see people that you haven't talked to for a while and it just and you just kind of like pick up where you left off, right? And it was fucking wonderful. So what else, man? Like I came, we came up here to the bay to play Treasure Island. And let me tell you something. When I left the Bay Area, I was like not happy with the Bay Area, right? We were like we were like friends that had a falling out, like not like the ones I was talking about before, like like we didn't like each other, right? And I was like, "Man, uh you have the Raiders and I understand that and I love you for that, right? But like we cannot be cool for a little bit, okay? And I don't fucking like you, all right? And 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 you don't like me either." So I left. I haven't really come back since then, right? just here and there, whatever. But you know what? I came back to the Bay. We were here for what? I was here for like a day, right? And I woke up early, right? I woke up early and, 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 and it was raining. It was gray. And I was like, oh my God, like, I really like this. I forgot how nice this is, right? And then I went to a very special place run by a very special human, right? And that is called Timeless Coffee. Right. And I went there and, and it just reminded me like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I'm in Oakland. I used to live here. I had a lot of fun here. Let me tell you something about the Bay Area. There was a time in Stephen Lee Clark's life that was the best, most happy, like, like most productive, uh, most you know, energized time in my life. And that was when I lived in the Bay area. That was when I first moved here all the way up until like, what, I don't know, fucking a couple years ago when I left, right. It got really dark at the end, but the Bay area meant a lot to a lot of people. It was just a bunch of fucking friends all doing cool shit. Everybody's helping each other out. It was fucking insane. So, so I went to timeless coffee. I saw a fucking RJ, right. Who, 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 who owns and runs timeless coffee. And I was like, dude, 
You're such a cool fucking human being. And Timeless is doing wonderful. If you're ever in the Bay Area, if you're ever in Oakland, but even like the whole Bay Area, you have to go there because it's just it's just amazing. Not trying to get into a commercial, but it's just a fucking wonderful place, right? And it expanded and it was beautiful. I saw my friend Brian Proto, who I should strike that our friend Brian Proto because you guys know him because he was on here. I fucking ran into him, right? And I just ran into people and I was like, oh my God. Again, this is all coming back to positivity. This like fucking been a super positive two weeks. It's crazy. I'm like kind of skeptical of like what the fuck's going on, right? I don't know about this shit, right? I don't, I don't know. I'm just some glitch shit, right? That I don't trust. But anyways, I'm going to try to write it because, you know, whatever. So luckily, uh, you know, yeah, we, we played a bunch of other shows, went up to the fucking forest and Humboldt. That was cool, whatever. Uh, and then came back. And now I'm in the Bay Area and I'm, I'm here for a couple hours before I go back across the island to New York, right? So I'm utilizing this couple hours to talk to you motherfuckers because you know what? I don't have fun. This is the only time I ever have fun in my life, right? Talking to you. Shit. Uh, so anyways, that was really fun. Luckily, my friend Brandon, my friend Kelly are letting me and, and my team use their house to just have like a recharging period. And if it wasn't for them, uh, I wouldn't be able to do this episode today. So luckily for me, Brandon and Kelly are here. They're fucking awesome. Let me tell you something, okay? So Brandon, he pulled me aside the other day and he was like, dude, I go on these like long trips with my boys. Like we just go for fucking, you know, We'll go on like, we'll take the train, we'll go fucking super far, and you know what we do? We fucking grab a little pair of speakers and we listen to your podcast. And dude, that shit meant so much to me because dude, what did I say? We're spreading this information, right? And he's cool as fuck and he knows that like that's what needs to be done, right? And like, and it was, it was really refreshing to hear. I mean, obviously any positive feedback is cool, but it was just like really cool because I know Brandon. I know he likes really cool shit. He's a very intelligent human. And so like was very flattering that he was just like, dude, yeah, we listen to your shit all the time, you know? So that to me was like, oh my God, like I say we got to spread this information to hear someone that's actually fucking doing it. That meant a lot to me. So yeah, take a tip from Brandon, man. He's cool as fuck. But one thing I, w- I definitely want to talk about is uh, the hack, right? The hack, the hack, the DDoS hack, right? The fucking hack, right? So obviously everything, this is, this is a rare one for me because obviously every single thing I ever read ever, right, ever, doesn't matter where it's from, okay, uh, ever, I read it and I'm just like, I don't know if I believe that, right? I don't, and, I'm, and I mean the words that I don't know. Okay, it's not like I don't believe that shit, not for once. No, 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 I don't know if I believe it, right? So this was a little different because I went to the TalkFull website, right? And I was like, uh, something's going on here, okay? So what is this? I don't fucking know. And uh, let me tell you something. I'm not a computer genius. I don't know. It's fucking newsflash, right? I'm not a computer genius. I don't know shit. But I went to this. I went to try to go to my website, and I was like, uh, something's not right. Tried to go to fucking SoundCloud and it was it just wasn't working. And I was like, what the fuck? And my friend Colleen was like, dude, this is why, right? And I started reading about it and I was like, oh shit. Okay, I have to believe this one because it's affecting me personally, right? It's like, it's like, do you know if Mars is real? I don't know. I'm not sure. I've never been there. It looks like fucking New Mexico to me. You know what I'm saying? Or Arizona. I've been there. They they look similar to me. But if if I was on the surface of Mars, I'd be like, okay, I believe this. So that's what basically what happened to me with this hack, right? And so 
what is it? It's a, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about this stuff, right? But it was that company, Dyn, D-Y-N, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but it was really interesting because their job is to, what, they, they run like the navigation of what, you know, you type in blah, blah, blah.com and it tells you what server to go to, right? Uh, because a lot of the information is distributed amongst a bunch of servers, right? That's why someone from fucking, uh, you know, Mexico City can log on to fucking whatever.com as fast as me and you can, right? Um, so I thought it was super interesting. And again, I was like touched by it, not in a good way, but in like a shiz crazy way, right? So they, So someone overloaded the shit so they were getting all these requests like navigational requests or whatever you know and then and then basically it just got so overloaded that nobody could get distributed anywhere and in my mind i was like dude this is so fucking cool uh i've always thought that kind of shit was cool so here's my plea to you right to the talkful listeners okay to my to the 6.2 million listeners that we have i checked it yesterday right uh i Stephen lee clark it's time Okay, it's time for me to get into the shit. So what do I need to learn? I need to learn the hardware. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start at the bottom, right? I'm gonna learn the hardware. I can do that myself. I've been I already started reading. Don't worry about me. But dude, someone teach me how to code. I'm trying to do this shit. All right. The future, okay, the future uh is lies within technology, right? I'm a big fan. Transhumanism. We've talked about this before. Do I think it's gonna be this glorious, wonderful fucking uh uh like utopia no uh maybe but no probably not but i do agree wholeheartedly that the next step in human in 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 human evolution is going to be solely through technology right again we've talked i think we might have talked about this before but you know what sign me the fuck up i'm down as fuck to become a robot hey uh we're gonna inject you Stephen lee clark we're gonna inject you with these micro robots right they're gonna time release oxygen and guess what you're gonna run fucking forever i'll I'll do it instantly let's do it right so i'm ready i'm ready as fuck to upload me into the internet because uh i don't know this world is just you know it's just whatever it's not the tightest you know it's like it's all right but yeah if i could get uploading the internet i'm fucking neo you know i mean the matrix the most life-changing thing that i've ever seen so put me in that shit i don't give a shit anyways yeah uh, the hack was super interesting. Someone email me talkfulradio.com, please. And be like, Hey, Stephen Lee Clark, you're tight. You help me out. I'm going to help you. out. I'm going to fucking just teach you anything about like coding and, and all that shit because it's time for me. Right. I could be lying to you right now. I could be just like putting this out there saying like, Oh, I don't know anything about it, but I really am like the fucking genius behind all the shit. But uh, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say, I don't know anything about it. So I need your guys help. I want to learn about coding and, and, and we're all friends. So help your boy out. And, uh, and then maybe we could change the fucking world together. Right. Eh. Okay. Business. As you may know. Okay. Or as you may not know, because someone just told you to listen to the show, right? Cause they're spreading the word, right? Just like my friend Brandon said, he spreads the fucking word, right? He goes with his friends. He's like, hold on. My boy does a podcast called talkful radio. Let's fucking listen to it. Right. Cause it's tight. So that's my dog. And you can, you can take after him and do the same thing. Right. Cause Because shit, it's information that needs to be put out there. So, as you may or may not know, right? Because this is your first time listening. You're like, man, this motherfucker's tight as fuck. It's the head coach. Anyways, you can find us on Facebook, right? 
where I let you know what's going on. You can find us on Twitter, Talkful Radio. You can go to iTunes, Stitcher, and tune in. And you know what you should do there? You should subscribe and download because that's what those motherfuckers look at. They look at the downloads like, fuck, fool, Stephen Lee Clark. Uh, he's a little out there, drinks a little bit too much coffee, right? But that fool has 18 fucking point six million downloads last week. Dude, like, like this fool's doing something right. And then, and then, yeah, and then they start looking at us. And then that just means that we're a fucking force to be reckoned with, right? We're a force of information. So anyways, yeah, download, 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 because uh, it's very important. And again, spread. We're in the spread zone, right? Basically... Uh, like I said last time, the number one thing is to spread the word. So what I've been doing is I'll look for anybody spreading the word. I'll look at the talk for radio hashtag. I'll just look for anybody that tags me, anything like that. And, and I'll send them a fucking free mug, dude. Cause it's just, it's just material. I don't care. I'll send it to you free. Just spread the word, right? It's a, uh, it's very fun. And, and I'm really excited about the mugs. Speaking of the mugs, if you want to just purchase one, you can just fucking go to TalkfulRadio.com because that's where everything else is. That's where I put up every episode. That's where the archive is. There's a little about the fool, right? That's that's me. Uh, there's one of those. So basically, that's this, the hub, right? Unless this fucking hack just totally destroyed it. But you know what? I'm secretly the hacker, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyways... Go to talkfulradio.com. That's where you can check it out. It, it links you to SoundCloud, which uh, is cool. Um, so basically, yeah, the merch is there. We're going to get t-shirts there. And then everything that I send you guys from now on is going to have some stickers. They're waiting for me when I get home. Uh, so yeah, some guerrilla marketing shit. So uh, besides the, the, the most important thing, which is sharing, spreading the word, right? There's an equally important thing, right? Like they're neck and neck. And that's just helping out talk for radio, right? Uh, again, uh, I, for some fucking weird ass reason, chose a life of art, right? Where uh, I don't make any money at all. So you can help out the podcast, right? By going to talkfulradio.com, at the bottom, there is a donate button, okay? So there's, there's a donate button, there's fucking, uh, you know, there's, 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 uh, subscriptions that you can do. You can subscribe to donate a couple bucks every month. You know, you can pick, uh, you can pick different, a lot of donations or, you know, what you can do, you can make up your own. You can donate fucking nine 11. If you want, you can donate fucking six, six, six. You can vote, donate fucking 69, 69. You know what I'm saying? 420. Uh, that's, it's a little silly, but hey, do whatever you want, man. Like, get creative with it. And the best part about the donations, and this is what we said on the last show, we say it on every show, this is a value for value model, right? So I spend my time creating this podcast because it's fun for me. It keeps me out of the corner, struck with depression, right? Because that's what, that's what everything in my life is fueled by right? Uh, and it keeps me in touch with you guys and it's really fun. Okay. And, and I really enjoy doing it. So the value for value model is you, I trust you. I love you. Me and you we're cool as fuck. You listen to the podcast and you say, you know what? This was valuable to me. It was worth fucking $10. It was worth fucking 2001 space odyssey dollars, right? Fucking anything like that. So that's what a value for value model is, right? So 
not only do I really appreciate it, but you are literally a producer of Talkful Radio. So again, you will be in the ending credits as a producer, and that's a legit ass credit. You can put on anything you want. I'm the fucking producer of a podcast. Shit. What do you do? I don't you probably don't do shit like that. We're out here, Talkful team. Uh, sometimes I like to call them the Raiders, but whatever, you know, we, you can call them whatever you want. It's your team too, right? We're out here spreading the word. We're helping out. I'm a fucking producer of that show. What do you do? Shit. That's what I thought. So yeah. So you will be, if you donate any amount of money, you will be a producer because you're literally helping produce the podcast, right? So you'll be at the end of the show. You will be in the show notes and that's a legit credential. That's for any motherfuckers like, you're not a producer. What is that? I don't even know what that is. And then you fucking show them the, 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 the show notes and it says producer, your fucking name, right? And besides all that, you're just helping out the team. It's not only my team, it's your team. We're all fucking big ass team. So again, because of the team, right, good things happen, right? One day we're going to start having fucking meetups, right? We're going to have talk full radio meetups. One day we're going to start doing live ass fucking podcast episodes, right? Where you motherfuckers can come hang out and, and, and do whatever. And, and, and we have a little network of people that like the shit, right? And that means a lot to me. I really like it. Uh, so donate, 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 download, download, download. Uh, I'm Stephen Lee Clark and you are the shit, right? All right. Love you. So it's a little nerve wracking, right? Uh, you know, I started this podcast by myself. I didn't know anybody. I don't know anything about websites. Luckily I have good friends that help me out. So again, it's a little bit nerve wracking to interview somebody that's doing like what I do times like 200, right? Uh, so when I first met Bruce and Alex, it was really crazy because they, I talked to them on the internet briefly. I liked their website. I liked their podcast. Um, but field agent played a show and they were there in Vancouver. And I was like, dude, you guys are fucking deep in the shit and it's real as fuck. And I really appreciate it. So yeah, Bruce and Alex, not only are they cool dudes, they're hyper intelligent. They have a lot of cool shit to say, and they've been running. I die. You die their website for fucking really long time now and they have their podcast we have a technical and it's just it's just a great blend of what do we say information right that shit's super important information uh getting the word out there about fucking cool music and just like they're entertaining and really intelligent dudes so again little nerve-wracking but dude after this interview i was like oh my god this is such a good one so Without further ado, I really hope you enjoy my interview with Alex and Bruce of I Die, You Die, We Have a Technical, Fuck Yeah. Alex, Bruce, I die, you die. We have a technical. What's up, dudes? How are you guys doing? Hey, pretty what's good. Pretty good. Uh, not much, man. I'm chilling. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I got to tell you, I'm super excited to have you guys on here. I, I try to do, I mean, I'm, I'm trapped in this music world. And so I'm try, <laughs> I try to get all these other, other like angles on everything. And you guys are honestly, so far, it's, you know, it hasn't been too long, but it's, so far, this is like the, the, 
like one of the most out there things from what I'm familiar with, you know, in, in, in a good way. I don't mean it's just, it's just like different, you know, so I'm super excited about that. Well, you're talking to two guys with absolutely not a single ounce of musical talent between the two of them. So <laughs> that makes three of us in the right place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works good. If you prefer to talk about professional wrestling, then we, we can do that too. <laughs> oh, shit, that's awesome. That's really funny because I had, uh, I interviewed, I don't know if you've heard of the band No Joy, but they're from Montreal. Yeah. yeah and I was interviewing her and her drummer is just it, like so into wrestling, dude. And right. I was just like, that's sick. I wonder if, is it a Canadian thing to be super? In- I mean, I know it's an American thing for sure. It's uh, definitely Montreal and definitely Calgary. If you grew up in either of those two cities, you're going to have a lot of history with them. Um, you know, you know, fucked up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The main dude from them shows up on wrestling podcasts all the time. He is like a Whoa. leading authority on pro wrestling. The funniest thing about it, too, is that all the people who host these wrestling podcasts have no fucking idea about fucking yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But he is such a, like, a deep head on all manner of wrestling. It's such a pleasure to listen to him talk about yeah. it. That's so sick. I had no idea. That's yeah, fucking yeah. great. Um. So, yeah, you guys have I Die, You Die, which is, like, the word that comes to my mind is just thorough and like fucking just expansive dude and it's so sick and then obviously when i think we were in we got i don't really remember but i think we got put in touch because you guys have the podcast and i was just starting it up yeah that's right and i was just starting out i had a million questions for you guys and like like touchdown for me i get to ask you on this podcast uh because (laughs) i don't know i'm on episode 12 and uh i still don't have a clue what i'm doing so it's like i'm glad you guys are here (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, I'm super curious about like just a a little, you know, just how it all got started. Are you you guys are from Vancouver? Are you guys from Vancouver? I am from a uh, crappy town about an hour east of Vancouver, but moved, you know, I've been going into town for years yeah. and moved in properly when I was like 19 or 20 or something. Cool. I'm from uh, the east coast of Canada, from Nova Scotia. So oh, I moved word. here like 12 years ago or something like that. Okay, well, this is off the top of my head. Have you ever heard of the Money Pit over in Nova uh, Scotia? The money pit. That sounds familiar. So but. there's this. So, uh, you know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy nerd. Right. But there was like yeah. apparently there's this thing uh, like off the because there's a lot of like scattered little like micro islands over there, isn't mm-hmm. there? And, and and on one of them, there's this thing called the money pit. Right. And someone randomly discovered this like trap door built into the ground. Right. And they were like, what is this? And then they tried to break through it. And when, so basically it was this like mysterious, like super old trap door and they broke through the bottom of it and they like found like just a bunch of weird random shit, like, uh, f- like a blanket made of like f- coconut fibers from like super far away. And, and anyways, the deeper, and there was like multiple layers to this thing. And the deeper they went in, it was built like really like technically sound so like the deeper they went into this thing it would flood with ocean water and they couldn't get to the bottom of it and so and like people have died trying to uh, apparently people have died like trying to excavate this thing like seeing what's underneath it and i feel like i have maybe heard something about this before yeah that sounds familiar that like to me that's what i think of when i think of nova scotia Mm -hmm. i was just like dude this is crazy and then apparently they were they like uh, made an attempt to like, re- um, in a sense, like reverse engine. They like poured a bunch of like red dye down this thing, and there was. They found out that there was like channels dug, like from the outside of this little island that goes all the way in, and it like the how whoever did it, a it was really long ago, and b it's like really 
thorough. Like they did not want anybody getting to the bottom of this thing. Well, you got buttloads of like pirates and stuff. That yeah, tons of it. And there's like every ago. year in school, we would basically get the whole like, oh, you know, this pirate supposedly hid their treasure in uh, this place. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to watch like a National Film Board of Canada movie about some <laughs> plucky, you know, teenagers who go to discover pirate treasure and get run off yeah. by smugglers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely a part of that. If you grew up on the East Coast, there's a lot of that and a lot of similar stuff. Although I'm not familiar with that particular story. That's dope. I got to look that up. It's really sick. I mean, I, you know, I, my, one of the, I guess it's a benefit in my like creative life, but like my imagination is also my downfall. Cause I read like two paragraphs about it and just freaked the fuck out and was like, <laughs> what could this be? And like, just like fucking, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, I'm sorry. Like Nova I Scotia it. threw me off. Uh, but yeah. So like, so how did this all come about, dude? It's like, it seems like such a crazy, I mean, to me, it seems like such a crazy, like monumental, like undertaking <laughs> and so how did it all start with you guys um i mean i guess okay we how long had we been friends before we started officially doing any writing together like four or five years i think yeah like we, 2007 2008 that we yeah, started on work together yeah you'd moved to vancouver about like four or five months previous and then you started coming out uh tonight's that i was djing at um that we had mutual friends at and everything like that and uh we met because you asked if i had this one particular human league 12 inch that I could play the DJ the B side of. Yeah. Um, um, I was just being a dick. Yeah. No, no, it was, it was fun. Um, and Dude, we start play this obscure song. There's no way you would have. And we it. did. We did. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we started DJing together uh, in a whole bunch of different venues. Uh, some like super like you know big uncy industrial club night sort of stuff. Some really really chill like almost like coffee house style uh, stuff where we're just like playing like kind of you know, ambient, ethereal, and gothy tunes that we liked. And we just got to know each other in terms of the, the kind of the Venn diagram of our overlapping but slightly different tastes in music and everything like that. And we just really were constantly talking about this new record, this old record, what we liked, what we didn't. And after a while, it was like, okay, look, we both fucked around with music writing kind of casually, sometimes for money, sometimes for fun. Uh, in the past, why don't we try to make something... Uh, a little bit more formal and fixed about it. We kind of had a couple of false starts where we were kind of doing much looser projects uh, with a couple of other people. There wasn't really uh, the impetus to keep going with it. Uh, we both had personal shit going on and everything. Once kind of that all got resolved, we were and we were both sort of in a space to like really dedicate ourselves to it. The idea was, okay, let's do this. Let's write about new, predominantly new music that falls into the broader, you know, post-industrial gothy sort of spectrum. And we ha we have a publishing schedule that we have to keep up with. And it's sort of the analogy that we've used a couple the of times. Gym buddy the gym analogy. buddy, the gym like, buddy analogy. If, you, if you're just by yourself, you can skip a day. But if your buddy's waiting for you at the gym, you've got to show up. So Dude, that's if one so of us tight. doesn't yeah. write their thing, then the other person's going to give them shit about it. Yeah. And we've actually managed through just like... <laughs> guilt and you know <laughs> just keeping it moving to like all right fuck if i gotta stay up till 2 a.m writing this fucking shit then i gotta stay up till 2 yeah. a.m writing this thing yeah. that's so that's sick, how it got started that's so great the gym buddy i'm literally writing down gym buddy right now because i need <laughs> i need to do shit like that that's yeah. so cool and so i I've, i always wonder this i because i you know i'm kind of a dick I, I know where i stand but so what you guys do and you're talking about predominantly new music like so when you started this out was it more of like a an altruistic like hey look this music needs to be talked about i want to get it out there or was it more of like 
I mean, I understand everything can be like a, a gray area and, and, but, or was it more like, this is what I like to do. This is what I'm into. Like I have fun writing this stuff. I have fun listening to it. This is what I want to do. This makes me happy. What was, what was your guys' thoughts when you first started out? Um, a little bit of both. I yeah. mean, a big thing was, and this is a thing that it sounds so shitty when I say it, but a lot of the time when we were looking for people who were writing about the stuff we were interested in, we just couldn't find anything that we thought was very good. Dude, um, absolutely. So uh, we were just like, well, fuck if, if, you know, nobody else is writing about this thing or writing about it well, then why don't we take a crack in it? Yeah. We couldn't possibly, you know, do a, a worse job than some of the music writing, like even by reputable publications, you know, about the stuff that we're interested in. Like there's this one psychic TV review by Pitchfork <laughs> that Bruce and I keep going back to. Oh, that I was love this. Like, like the late nineties, early two thousands. It was, where it was, it was, it was like, like before Pitchfork became Pitchfork, yeah, right? When yeah. the URL was different and the, yeah. you know, it was like a web 1.0 design. Just, and not to tee off on the poor guy who wrote this or whatever, but just uh, really ignorant, didn't know what he was talking about. It was one of those things where it's like, man, if this is the shit that's out there, then somebody has got to like, try and speak to this stuff from like an insider perspective or like a fan of it. Yeah. And there just wasn't a ton of it out there. So that's kind of why we started a big part of it since then has been like, Oh shit, there's this good new stuff. Like people need to hear about mm -hmm. this stuff yeah, and we awesome. need to start pushing that, especially too, where in the time that we've been doing it, like the, the industrial club scene collapsed, goth sub uh, club scene collapsed. Like there's still things happening. Um, you know, dust Park in LA, great example. They still throw parties. Those parties are still well attended, but for the most part, I think clubs have kind of gone away. And so if people want to find out about good new shit, like they can't just go to the club anymore. Yeah. And even before, you know, clubs were kind of stagnating. And I think that's why they died. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was very much a case where we were like, you know, we want to push new music on people because, you know, we're excited about music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, that's and it, and it makes so much sense, dude. And I and I personally, I mean. I think that's why things become successful because you're just like, you know, I can do this and like, you know, I enjoy doing this and this shit needs to be talked about. That's fuck that. I think that's cool. So this, th what you said, actually, I had a question, but it, I'm just going to skip to it right now. So it seems like you guys have been doing this for a long time. When did this, when did the whole thing like start, start? Like when did you guys have your website up and running? And everything? So it's gonna be the uh, last... It would be the last week of July, 2011. Was yeah, it July okay. or 2011, June or July, June or July, yeah. but yeah, mid midsummer uh, of uh, 2011. Yeah. So, so, so you're talking about, you, you're talking about pitchfork and, and not to call out pitchfork. I'm not, you know, but like <clears throat> we're talking about pitchfork and, and like the, uh, the, uh, psychic TV review. So what, what is it like for you? And I, so what is it like for you? You guys have been doing this since 2011. You guys have been doing this goth and industrial reviews, like podcasts, all this, all this cool shit. And, and you guys were doing it when it wasn't like <laughs> a thing, you know what I'm saying? And it wasn't cool to fucking, to be like the goth industrial guy. And now, so, so now that it's very much in, and, and, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I don't read this I don't read Pitchfork, and, and I kind of make it a point not to. Uh, that's just me personally. But like, so for you guys, like, what is it like? I, I, I'm willing to bet that a, a Pitchfork review of Psychic TV now is probably a lot different than what it was mm -hmm. a long time ago. You know what I'm saying? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I will say this: they've gotten really good about getting people to know what they're talking yeah, about yeah. to write stuff. Like they got Drew Daniel from Matt Mose to write a bunch of stuff about Throbbing Gristle when all those reasons yeah. came out, and there's nobody more qualified to write about that stuff. They've generally, I think, become very good about finding people who know what they're talking about, and I think that's 
all pretty well across the board. It's been well, but not in all cases. It's been really interesting to see how various publications have and haven't updated and modernized. Like there is some great stuff out there. I mean, I, I really don't want to throw anybody particularly under the bus. I mean, like, um, you know, like, for example, a lot of the pieces on like noisy, some of them are really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm often kind of like, oh, cool. Yeah, this and it really seems to depend on the writer and who, you know, a particular department is picking up uh, on, on a given moment or whatever. But there are still a few tropes that we notice and kind of joke on a lot. Uh, like when it's obvious that, OK, like, for example, like when the whole three teeth opening for tool thing happened right when you have this band uh opening for this like celebrated you know alt rock icon group and everything like that and you know outfits like rolling stone or whatever like oh here's the band the tool picked to go on tour with them when they you know uh kind of decloaked after all of these years and some of those articles you could tell were written by somebody who had just like had a you know press release stuck under their nose and was like uh, cool. Sounds like nine inch nails or whatever. And it's like, Oh, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can dig a little deeper. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And some, and some people absolutely are. And it's cool to see that. And it's really cool to see, um, like there's been a few pieces by fact mag, uh, that have been really excellent that have dug deeper into like the longer history of EBM. It really, uh, one thing that's interesting is the split between people who've been approaching it, uh, either from a rock versus a kind of electronic slash techno mm-hmm. background and what their grounding is in that often ends up shaping how they write about it. And that's been really interesting as someone who is kind of like just got into industrial when he was like 13 or 14. And it, that's always been my bread and butter ever since people who've spent, you know, just, Oh, I've just been writing about metal. I've just been writing about rock or I've lived my life in techno. And now I'm trying to get into the sounds that are coming out of Berlin or whatever, what their analogies for it are, what their take on it is. And that can be really sometimes very informative and to be honest, quite helpful to get you out of your own limited ghettoized mindset. Totally, man. Totally. I've dude, I struggle with that. I, I used to struggle with that a lot when I, when I started writing, field agent stuff, which was just about a year ago. So it's like pretty new, but I was just like, dude, I was like, I grew up this like death metal kid. I was only listening Mm. to like Nile and shit when I was young. And and, and it (laughs) took a, it took a lot for me to get over this. Like, I'm going to come in here and just ruin this. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I'm saying? But that's cool. It's like, it is, it's like a different perspective on something that you are just so deep and like involved in, you know? Mm -hmm. So it could be refreshing. That's a great, that's a great way to look at it. I think it's, super important to try and get other perspectives if you're going to be any kind of music writer and to not just read the kind of music writing that you want to do like i read about a lot i'm not like a big jazz head but i totally if i will read jazz stuff i'll read classical stuff like uh, even genres i don't know anything about because one that's a good way to learn but two just a good way to like get different ways of writing and to yeah. know reading music criticism in general is a good idea if you want yeah, to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, there's like, for example, I'm a very, very casual metalhead. Like, I just like kind of like to pick and choose from, you know, the different subgenres and everything like that. But I'll read like just about anything that Kim Kelly writes just because she's an excellent writer. And she's an excellent great. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a, see, and, and, and the, just like you're saying, like, it's, I live with someone that works pretty high up at Pitchfork and like, mm. I felt weird because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't not read it because I hate it. You know what I'm saying? I don't not read it because I think it's it's stupid or, or what. I just don't read it because, A, that kind of shit. It's just like as a person that is creative, like uh, it's a little bit scary to me, you know, and, and stuff like that, you know, and, and, and but it's just it, I feel like I'm on you know, very much on one side of the field. And so when I get her perspective on the stuff, you know, it's like, it's pretty good for me because, you know, as growing up 
as an artist, it's like, man, do these people hate you? Do these people love you? Like, are they doing like, what are the factors that go into these like reviews, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like this crazy responsibility to me, you know, especially at something like that. When, when, when you're gonna, you could stub your toe and fucking be like, fuck. And then write a review. Like, I hate this shit, you know? And like, yeah, exactly. and then you have like 10,000 people that are going to read it. And it scares the shit out of me. You know? Yeah. I mean, Pitchfork's never done anything bad to me. They're great. Mm-hmm. They've always been cool to me. They've always been really helpful in everything I've done. So it's just, it's just more of like a who like I, it's just a world that is like, ooh, it's, yeah. it's a little creepy to me. You know, here's the thing that freaks me out. And sometimes like will keep me up awake at night if I start thinking about it too much. Which is the – especially now we're in a world where so much of what happens on our website and most music websites, the quietest, you know, Pitchfork, whoever, is this collaborative thing between artist and writer. Like it's not just I'm writing a review. It's I'm interviewing you about your 10 favorite records. Yeah, the quietest and, is so much of that. You know, yeah. Some of the people that we have on the podcast, some of the people we write reviews of on the website are people who are like our friends or people we're friendly with. And at what point do I start to compromise like how yeah. able to say – you know what I actually think without risking like hurting somebody's feelings, especially somebody who's been good to us and treated us nicely. Totally. And the only thing I've figured to be able to get around is don't think about it. Just be honest, be as honest as possible. And I don't think anybody can be angry at you for being honest. And and from our side of the fence, it's been really fascinating to see the variety of responses that have come. Like there's been a couple of times. And again, I've always, you know, we, we strive for honesty and we strive for being halfway informed and, you know, so on. But there's been a couple of times where I'm like, I've put something out there. And I'm like, okay, you know what? This is at least partially negative or partially critical of a few things that are happening in here. And then sometimes you, it'll be those responses that get like such a positive response from the artist. Like, oh man, thanks so much for like the detailed feedback. And yeah, these are all like really good uh, ideas and everything like that. Like I'm not going to, you know, name names or whatever, but there's like one local band in particular where the, the, the person involved is just like, oh man, like you, you pointed out a lot of things that I've been kind of thinking about and yeah, I do need to take the band more seriously and this and that sort of way and everything. And they're constantly saying to me like, yeah, I think we're really like, you know, that, that really helped kickstart us and everything. Then on the other side, sometimes there's been a few cases where people like you, you put something out there that you're like, I think this is a pretty damn positive review and everything like that. And just one tiny little, somebody gets fixated on one detail, you know, like, Oh, they compared, they compared me to a band I don't like or something like that. And then that becomes the only thing that they're seeing. Right. Which I mean, I understand, right. Like if you're kind of getting feedback on you and it often will probably feel like you and not just your work, but you know, something that is a part of you. And there is this little, thing that doesn't match up with how you see yourself or something like that right then you're gonna like that's gonna be the one thing that you fixate on so i understand why that happens but it's been very interesting to see the range of replies and they don't always line up with how we think people are going to receive things totally yeah that i mean so every i mean everything we're talking about i was gonna ask you about uh you know this this sentence that when you guys named yourself after the Gary Newman song and it was, and it, and it is, it says an expression of the tension between music and the press. And and so, I mean, I think that's everything that we were just touching upon. And it's like, and it seems like you guys walk this, like, I mean, successfully, you know, walk this fine line between the two. And, and I mean, it's great. Is it, is it something, do you guys like, I mean, it seems like you guys don't try to dwell on it. You guys just, again, you guys are just honest, right? Just honest off the bat. I mean, it is, 
that it, that can be something that's in the back of your head. Like, are you getting too chummy with somebody or totally. whatever? And, you know, the odd time when there's been like a slightly, you know, controversial matter that's happened and we're interviewing somebody related to that, like, oh, should we now be sort of like, do we have to kind of like take off our like, oh, we're all like buddies and friends and, you know, hang out and crash at each other's houses. Do I have to take that hat off and put my like, okay, proper journalism. How do you feel about yeah. what whoever has said? And da, 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 da. Yeah. you know, yeah. that, that can be challenging when that happens. Certainly. Yeah. One thing, you know, one thing I've never understood is when people ask, I mean, we've had to deal with this a lot. I quit doing interviews. I was like, I don't do this anymore. You guys handle it. Uh, but one thing that's always weirded me out is, is when people ask you about something you don't like, you know what I'm saying? So like, like what's your most overrated band of the last year? Oh, and it's yeah. like, dude, come on, man. Like, yeah. is this, yeah. is this really what you want to spend time doing? And, and, and you don't want, I don't want to answer that, you know, and it's a weird, yeah. it's a weird thing. That's let weird. me ask you a question. Um, this is a perception <laughs> that I have. And I think you'd have an interesting perspective on it. I hear a lot of music journalists talk about how artists are thin-skinned. I think music journalists are fucking thin-skinned as fuck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's not me trying to, like, throw shade on anybody. But, like, sometimes people's response to, like, their pieces is so out of proportion to what an artist or somebody else may have said when they were sharing it on their Facebook or whatever. You're just like, dude, like – you're out there being critical. You have to be able to take some of it back as oh, well. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. I mean, for us, you know, I've 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 experienced it. We'll see. The I I don't really like the only people I really associate in that world are like the Kim Kellys and like the Andy O'Connors and they uh, dude, you want to talk about tough skin? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Kim Kelly, yeah. Kim Kelly will write something that's amazing and like really well written and and unbiased and just really good and get fucking light years of shit for it you know and and i think it's super admirable how they can just do that i mean we've had we've definitely like um you know not without saying naming names we've had like i've we've had people spend the the day with us and then i've gone back and read the thing like you know the article and i've just been like this is mind-blowingly stupid and doesn't talk about anything you know but also at the same time like from the artist point of view, I've, I'm never, and just from a human point of view, I've never been like, I need to tell this person how bad this is, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, you're right. I mean, the ones that I know, like are all, they've just been doing it for so long, I guess, you know? And like, you can't fucking, I mean, I used to think like you can't make everybody happy. And now personally, I'm just like, I, you can't make anybody happy, man. No. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's got to be so much rougher in metal, right? Where, like, I kind of feel oh, as though, dude. like, the whole, all of the, 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 the sexist and whatever stuff that has been happening with metal, like, I always feel like that's kind of analogous to the whole, like, Gamergate thing, where it's like both metal and video games are, like, have been around for so damn long, and it's like, okay, we're, we're long enough, we've been here long enough that we need to be taken seriously as real art. It's like, okay, fine, well... If you're going to be art. taken as seriously as real art, then these are the critical things you <laughs> have to deal with. People saying, this is bullshit. You can't, you know, if you're going to say this, then be, be prepared for people to take it seriously. You can't dismiss you know? someone's opinion just because they're a woman and therefore don't know shit about real oh, metal. Oh, I know, man. Like that, like that stuff has been obviously really, really plaguing metal. I don't know if it's that so much that we have uh, in kind of the industrial field right now, so much as it is how people have reacted to what you were talking about earlier, which is this kind of like new influx of popularity and interest in the field from uh, the broader music press, from other bands, uh, and so on, right? You know, when 
whether it's Zola Jesus, Burial Hex, uh, Oni and Oprah Tricks Point Never, uh, you know, any of these, you know, bands that sort of blow up and it's like, okay, well, you can point and trace their history back to industrial. And that's great. And that's exciting. And there's so much new and fucking exciting music. But then you have like, you know, seen kind of like ride or die scene people who've been there forever kind of go like, no, nah, this is bullshit. This is poser. They're wearing blue jeans. Can't be, you know, not legit. Dude. You're talking to the guy. You're talking to the guy in Deaf Heaven. You know what I'm saying? This is like, this yeah. is exactly, yeah. dude. There's there's one funny picture of us with Abbott, Uh, and I was wearing like this blue. You know, he was in full face paint. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we were we were just like super excited to see him. And I was wearing a blue button up shirt, and mm-hmm. and there was a comment that was like, "Who's that corporate motherfucker?" And I was like, dude, this is so crazy, you know. So it's it's funny, dude. I mean, I absolutely understand what you're talking about yep. there. And you know, but that kind of shit has like honestly, man, like that kind of I've talked about this before, that kind of shit for me personally, it like it definitely so I when I when I joined you know my band it was already they were already been a man for a couple years they already pissed a lot of fucking metal guys off you know so so when i like sidestep into this thing and then and then i was like oh they're getting all this hate but it's not me you know so whatever you know so, but so i kind of had this like secondhand experience to where now you know i'm just waiting for someone to be like yeah, especially, you know, when I was when I talk about the crazy shit on my podcast and stuff. I mean, I'm on episode 12. When I get to episode 100, there's definitely going to be like this guy's a fucking idiot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> stuff like that. So I you know, that sort of shit is definitely Or it's going to come at you from field agent, right? Where somebody's like, "Oh, look at this. Death Heaven brought this fucking techno guy absolutely, in." Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I you know which I think, "Oh, that's already happened." That's uh, that has oh, already yeah, happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone wrote about a field agent song and it was like from a dude from Deaf Heaven, and they just put in quotations like "lol black metal," and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm not allowed to do anything else." That's right. Okay, cool. That's that whole thing that we're talking about here. That's sort of the underlying philosophy, or the whole the whole underlying story behind this goofy little print that I or not print, but image that I worked up uh, of just in kind of like the classic gothic font, just saying "death to false EBM." Yeah. Right? Like, just you know, the Man of War reference. The no- and it's just a reference to that, right? It's a reference to like. The whole like the shit that bands like Youth Code and everything like that started getting, um, but it's all like the number of people who've taken that at face value, just like, well, what what would false EBM be? And oh, if nothing, it doesn't exist. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. it's such a fucking weird idea to me. Like, I remember years ago coming to the realization that the the myth of authenticity is such a pervasive and weird idea that music is only good if it's quote unquote real. And there's no agreed upon criteria for what real is like, who fucking cares? Like if it was written by fucking a team of top notch, like Swedish pop song writers and it's a fucking good song. It's a fucking good song. It doesn't matter. That's how I feel too. It does not matter. Like it's just this idea that people latch onto. I think especially in subcultures, I think you see metal, you see it in our thing, you see it in rap that, there's this, you know, sort of mythical quality. Hack, Hackers! Hack. What the fuck? We've been hacked. That only comes from people coming from a certain place. That's the only music that's worth caring about. That's nonsense. It's crazy. And if you, and, and, you know, if you go to like uh, interviews with any of kind of like the ur sources of any musical genre that you'd care to mention, right? They will all have influences, like, you know, like whether it's like Lemmy or somebody like, you know, Genesis from TG, they will all mention like, oh yeah, I'm super influenced by 
you know, some oh, absolutely. And absolutely. Right? So, yeah. And for me, it's like, you know, like all these like true like Norwegian black metal bands that you guys are talking about. I mean, y- y- they were like 17 years old when they wrote that stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it's yeah. like what I don't it's just confusing to me. You know, it's definitely a confusing thing. Yeah. Um. So one thing. So this is great. But like before I, the first time I ever met you guys. Right. You guys, you guys were like two people out of like 10 people that were at my show in Vancouver. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, well, that's so crazy. Like, what's up? And, and it was super cool. I thought it was like super cool that you guys came out. And it was so is like is the live show setting and is that uh, like a part of what you guys do to, in, in your eyes? Is that like you guys staying up on what's going on and all that stuff? How do you guys look at the live shows thing? We try to avoid like live reviews as a thing. Uh, just they're super hard to write, and I don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's just like a personal preference thing with us. But that said, we try like that's really where, at least as far as Vancouver is concerned, um, so much of our stuff comes from. Uh, it was, it's weird. Like on the one hand, a lot of the small to mid-sized authentic venues in mm-hmm. Vancouver have been completely decimated uh, over the last ten years or so, due you know amongst other things due to the rising property costs. in town um but on the other hand at kind of your gray market spaces or smaller spaces like the astoria where your show happened uh there is so much happening and there are so many bands coming through like it was astonishing to me when we started going out to some of the smaller shows uh like just how many live active and like kind of you know unknown to us bands were either in town or were coming through uh on the regular through this sort of um you know very much more you know informal sort of uh, basis. And some of those are from the States. Some of them are from Canada. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It sort of intersects, I feel with kind of the whole, I mean, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of like the gothy post-punk revival that we kind of got on the West coast out here. One of the weird things is that unlike, uh, unlike most of the States, most of the major cities in Canada are super far apart. So it's super hard for bands to get established outside of the city they're in, unless they want to do a serious tour. And then when it's like a serious tour, it's like, all right, we got to drive for three days to get to the next big city. And we can't play interstitial shows in between because there's nowhere to fucking play. And so a lot of the cities end up with these really great, but sometimes very insular little underground scenes where there's lots of good stuff happening, Mm -hmm. but it never gets out of that vortex just because, it's impossible for them to get out. And I'm yeah. sure you see that in a lot of American cities as well that have a big sort of, you know, you're in New Dead York right now. Yeah. You're yeah. just in L.A. And yeah. I'm always blown away when I find out about, hey, there's this band that's been active in L.A. for like 10 years. That's totally relevant to what you do. Never heard of them. They've yeah. just been around. Yeah. Yeah, just making totally. records, putting out tapes and stuff like that. There's really good stuff happening in Vancouver right now. I want it to break out more, but it is super heartening to go to those underground shows and kind of weird gray market spaces and see like 100 kids or, you know, I say kid because <laughs> we're, we're 10 years older uh, than a lot of them. But yeah. but <laughs> Same, <it's> dude. <laughs> super to go and check it out and see that there's a big audience for the stuff that's happening yeah. in town right yeah. now. And that's the kind of show I like to go to. We've had, um, I think now for two or three years, there's been this uh, kind of festival called Verboden uh, that the dude from Weird Candle uh, has been putting on. And that's been a really cool hybrid and kind of intersection of, on the one hand, kind of like the really classic post-punk, gothy, and punk stuff blending over with all sorts of, like, really cool uh, noise, industrial, techno, just any, like, new, dark, young shit 
is going to like, you know, kind of come together uh, in Vancouver for that. And he's been able to pull up a few bands from, you know, California and, and Portland and everything like that. And he's going to be doing it again next year. So. That's something I'm really excited about. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you're kind of off in the corner there, right? Like it's, you know, the Pacific Northwest. Okay, fine. You've got us and you've got Seattle and sort of, or, and sort of Portland. But even those cities, that's a real long trek, right? So making the decision to do that tour rather than an eastern seaboard tour where you could hit up so many major markets in such a short space of time, right? Like that's a challenge. And I understand that for touring bands. You know, it's not necessarily the most desirable place to head to. Yeah, see, that's that's crazy to, to hear from someone that lives there because I personally and like I know a few other people, I've always looked at Vancouver as this like this like scene that will never. I, I Dude, I was in, I mean, shit in like 2007 or something like that. I was in this like, like nobody like power violence band, you know what I'm saying? And and we got asked to play a fest of all places in squamish right oh shit. right and so yeah and so okay so i had no idea and i was just like dude we're going to canada it's gonna be sick like blah, blah blah and then fucking it was first of all it was called fast core fest and they were like do you guys want to just headline and we were like okay if we're headlining nobody's gonna be there right yeah, and yeah, so yeah. dude and it was literally like you know drive down this freeway make a left at the tree with the blue spray paint on it you know yeah and we were like wow this is fucked and 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 got out like drove through the woods for like an hour and then come over this hill and there was like 600 people there you know what i'm saying and i was like oh my god and then fucking it was like the best fest ever and then we fucking played a house show in vancouver the next night and there was like 300 people there spilling out in the streets and i was like dude this place is amazing and then and and pretty much every project i've ever been in was amazing you know and even that field agent show there was nobody there but it was like super fun like you guys came out the people i played with were fucking super tight mm -hmm. and like yeah uh vanessa was really the one that put on the show was yeah, super cool yep. yeah she, and she puts on a lot of cool shit and i was just like mm -hmm. dude vancouver's so sick but it's, <laughs> so it's this weird like thing and and have you guys seen like a flux i mean i'm sure but have has there been like fluctuations in in the scene and stuff like that in, in some scenes yeah i'd say like metal has stayed complete solid like metal has never wavered and yeah. like it's never going to be as big as it is in and Quebec, there have been a, but... a couple of like really good breakout bands uh, you know bands that have, have done pretty well for themselves um you know there was a black mountain was doing pretty well i'm not are they still a thing yeah i'm not sure either I don't yeah, know. I see them. You see them around at shows. I yeah, went to high like, school. With one of our them. buddies in Three Inches of Blood, you know, did really well for themselves. Really but, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really well. Yeah. Yeah, and, but uh, you know, I think there's still just like a really solid foundation of just good solid metal in town. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, not not in the same way it is in Quebec, where it's just like a way of but, life. But I mean, I feel like that's kind of one of the advantages that metal always has, right? Like like I said, I'm a very casual sort of like picky and choose like oh dark tranquility are coming in a couple of months. I'll yeah. probably go to that. You know, like I keep waiting for. I keep. I've been meaning to see Hypocrisy, and I've never seen Hypocrisy, and they're like kind of like the last big metal band I really want to see. But anyway, um, but you know, like these bands will come through, and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll take a flyer on that. I'll see Agaloc or Watain or whatever, and I go out to these shows, and it's just like, yep, sold out. You know, all of the kids from the well, suburbs and the valley and everything like that have all like headed in there. All of these dudes with full pack, you know, just the, yeah. the awesome best in pack. I will say this, and I think this is relevant to your work as field agent. 
is that there's been a really good, strong foundation for electronic music in Vancouver for a long time yep. that is now really starting to spread its wings when it comes to embracing stuff that's a little more outre, it's a little more out there. Like, uh, there's a lot more shows coming through where I'm like, that's super interesting that this particular sort of minimal techno artist yeah. or like kind of more EBM influenced techno artist is getting a show here like Headless Horseman or something like that. Oh, and that's they're all entirely grassroots things just yeah. by people who are fans and want to put on shows, you know, just like you'd see in any other scene, but it's kind of foreign to a lot of, I think, the electronic music club scene where it had become such a like, all right, well, this promoter is in with this major club, so they're the person who gets to book whatever big name DJ, whereas now you're getting much more like, all right, basement show for a techno artist. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah that's that's cool. thing that wasn't here 10 years no, ago, definitely. but is happening all the time now. That's dope. Super yeah, happy. that's great. Yeah. Dude, I saw Headless Horseman in LA, and I, I only listened to a little bit of it, and I was like, dude, this is so sick. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it might have been like the fucking giant wall of subwoofers that I was standing fucking <laughs> six inches away from, but I was like, this yep. is so sick. But yeah, that's fucking cool, man. So, so like between the, the writing reviews, the podcast, all this shit, going to shows, doing all like this research and, and, and just staying on top of it. Like, how do you, I mean, do you guys have like jobs? Like, what do you guys do <laughs> outside of this? It's like fucking yeah. crazy to me. Um, yeah, no, yeah, we both definitely have uh, day jobs. We're both in, you know, long-term relationships That's insane, uh, and everything. Um, Not with each other. But you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. Um, but no, I mean, I do, uh, yeah, I, I sometimes feel the burn, uh, especially like during baseball season or when there's like oh. really crazy wrestling stuff happening and I got, and I'm like mainlining uh, all of that stuff. I've started to, uh, taking to watching uh, pro wrestling at double speed just to like get through it twice as fast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, we're not, I don't think either of us are DJing quite as much as we were like four or five years ago. So that's given me a, gives you a few, you know, hours on the weekend and everything like that back. So that's helped a big part of it too. And I think it's probably the same for anybody who has to do any like regular writing or regular recording or anything else like that is you just, you end up making a schedule for yourself like Monday night. That's right yeah. at night. And yeah. when I get home from work, I don't sit on the couch and turn on the TV. I sit down at the computer and do some writing. And, you know, we do Wednesday night is the podcast. You know, Thursday we work on this other thing. And then if we have to get together during other times, try and schedule it out. It's just a matter of staying on top of it. And, you know, I, I think a lot of podcasts and blogs die just because folks don't schedule it as a regular thing. Yeah. You don't have a gym buddy to work with. And then it just becomes one of those things where it's like, all right, well, once you skip leg day once – you know, suddenly it's not a big deal to do it anymore. And yeah. that's where it starts to come and that's, apart. And that's so. why our first two projects kind of fell apart was entirely no because schedule. of that. Yeah, there was no schedule and there was no uh, commitment on our part, even even to the schedule more so than the project, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, I was talking to someone because, you know, I, I really hit this point where I was like, okay, I really like doing the podcast. It's fun for me. And, and yes, there is a, a certain... I want to get some of this stuff out there. For me, it was more just like some s- fool that's in a band and and doesn't know what next step to take. Like, let's talk mm. about it, you know? But uh, that was the one thing that I was asking this dude questions and he was like, dude, you have to get, you have to pick two days a month or or one, one a week, you know? And every single no matter what you have to release an episode and 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 when when it was yep. put to me like that i was like you know it totally makes sense people know when to expect something and, and i was just like yeah okay yeah yeah that yeah. that totally makes sense and a schedule totally helps 
even when we were DJing more regularly, like I would, that was my thing. Like every, it was every Sunday afternoon between like noon and five. That was like my, okay, source. Even I, when I wasn't writing about music, that was like, like source new music time for the club, listening like finding, to listening to new records, listening to new music, figuring out what would work in the club and what wouldn't and everything like that. Just because if you don't actually put, you know, treat it halfway like a job, you know, that you have to show up to, it's, it's going to end up suffering for that. And there's nothing worse than, you know, DJing and feeling that you're totally, you know, behind it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, so the, did the podcast start when the website started or was that something that came later? It was a couple of years after. It was 2013 that we started yeah. the podcast. Okay. We had talked about doing it for a long time and I was really concerned about our ability to maintain it. Because my big concern was like, oh, shit, if we start doing this, then that's a commitment we have to keep up. Like we can't just drop an episode, you know, when we feel like it, it has to be a thing. So for the longest time, we just did it once every two weeks. And eventually, about two years ago, we decided to make it a weekly thing. And then it just sort of took off as its own thing. And there's a lot of people who don't read the site who listen to the podcast, which is actually kind of heartening. Um, Mostly because when I listen to the podcast, I don't know if you have this problem, Stephen, but when I listen to us talk, I'm like, holy shit. Like, what a bunch of assholes. Jesus, oh, why does anybody want to listen to this? But people have been very kind and very supportive, yeah. which is really yeah. nice. So. Yeah, for me, it's it's the rights. Right? I say the word right so fucking much and like. And I'm just like, how how am I not getting a bunch of shit talk to me right now? Mm-hmm. I don't really understand mm-hmm. it. I've often I've often wondered about maybe taking like a few media training courses just because, you know, if you if you're going uh, into a career where you're going to be like, a, you know, an on air journalist or something like that, they absolutely drill the speech patterns and avoiding the filler uh, words and everything like that. Uh, they completely drill that out of you. Which I say, uh, like some people oh, say, but we both totally started notice. I mean, if we had a swear jar for, you know, the individual things that we say far Dude. too much. I mean, uh, oh God. my God. Seriously. Um, so in the beginning, when you guys started interviewing people, that was a big deal for me because like, I'm not the most like talkative dude. So it was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to talk to people? Uh, oh, I'll just start by doing friends. Like, how did you guys go about it? Did, is that something you guys did? Where is it like people you're comfortable with or did you just dive right in? We were really taking like real random stabs initially. Like I believe the very first, and it wasn't a podcast interview, but the very first interview that we ever did for the website uh, Scott was Scott Milton moment. from the present moment. And oh, okay. And you just like cold called him, I think, yeah, right? Literally, yeah. it's because his record came out, and I was like, I have questions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's sick. So yeah. we basically just emailed him, and he was a super friendly guy. Like, mm-hmm. took a lot of care with answering our questions. Um, and then when we actually started trying to do interviews face to face, I think a lot of it was just like, I think the weirdest thing about it was noticing that one, most people want to talk about their shit like Dude, the stuff they're trust in their absolutely art, their music. i noticed that too <laughs> yeah and so if you come to them and show that you're interested in what they have to say about it then they'll talk forever like it's one of those weird things where it seems like almost counterintuitive like why wouldn't somebody who made this record want to talk about what they were thinking about totally. or how this song came together or I mean, this idea that you maybe have and sometimes people like will will look at you like yeah I have no idea what you're talking about. But more often than not, even if it's not a thing that occurred to them, they have a thought on that it, yeah. thing and they can bust off from that. So the thing about that also, of course, is that the you know ninety nine point nine percent of the people that we're interviewing are not people who are doing a whole junket of interviews. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, for their new, you know, they're maybe going to get interviewed. 
three times for their new album at totally. most. Yeah, they're going to totally. do like Absolute a weird most. questionnaire. One of those like, like bullshit, like, you know, tell us about your band. What is the name of your band? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the people, and, and you're like, fuck you. Like, do you have anything you would like to tell our readers? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're trying not to trash talk anybody like no, that. But no, if you run a no. website where you have a form interview that you just fucking email to people, fuck you. Stop yeah. doing that. That's <laughs> bullshit. Don't waste people's time. Don't waste your interviewees' time and don't waste your readers' time. Yeah, and read a Wikipedia page or something. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, look at it for you know for just a second. Uh-huh. You know? oh, I can't imagine what it's like to deal with those. Some of my absolute favorite podcasts to listen to are just conversations between people. Yeah, Sometimes when they're totally. talking their like art or the thing they're they're known for. Sometimes it's just interesting to get insight into people's like interests. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. I'm super at, you know, and especially too, where sometimes it's it's a thing that you wouldn't ever suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy listening to podcasts where people talk about you know things that they're really passionate about, even if it's a thing that I don't care about at all, because people's passion and things can shine through, and it oftentimes becomes super engaging just mm-hmm. to hear people hold forth on stuff. And stuff like, like that, that can be a hook for interviews as well. Yeah. Right? That also trains you to be a better interviewer as well mm-hmm. as actually listening to what the people are saying, totally. what they're interested. Okay, well, let's carry forward with that. Like, has that, you know, has that interest, you know, ever intersected with your own work or blah, 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 blah? You know, there's all sorts of ways you can go with that. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I started out with like, I need to write 10 que- I've never interviewed anybody before. I was like, I got to write 10 questions, 10 questions. I'm going to go down these lines. But yeah, I've I've learned that it's a lot easier to just talk to fools. You know what I'm saying? And and yeah, like you said, dude. I I mean, I I totally realize this. Like, I have a friend that is a microbiologist. You know, he's in Reckon, that band Reckon Reference. He's he's a microbiologist. And I was like, dude, that's so crazy. Like, I have so many questions for you. And he was like, dude, fuck yeah, let's talk. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, people love talking about what they put all their time to. Yeah, and it totally makes sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah, did you guys start? Was it a little awkward at first, or did you guys start out like? I feel as though, yeah, it's gotten a hell of a lot comfortable. Like I, like you know, um, we interviewed like uh, a few weeks ago a guy who uh, Sam Rosenthal, like a guy who has run an independent record label for God knows like what thirty years. Now he's in you know Black Tape for a Blue Girl, Mm -hmm. or he is Black Tape for a Blue Girl. Who, if you are a like diehard kind of swirly ethereal goth or like one of the best bands ever, if I'd done that. View like four years ago, I would have been shit in my pants, and yeah. it was just like, oh yeah, I got a few few notes and few topics to talk about here, and uh, you know, I think, yeah, let's just go for it. You know, I was. A it's lot more very about rare it. that we've had like I think a super awkward interview. There's one or two occasions where it's a person that I think that it was kind of an adversarial thing, um, and I don't understand why necessarily. Yeah. I don't know if it was just them copying attitude because they, you know that's an image they want to project or if literally they just didn't know how to take us. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kate, you ever watch Nardwar interviews? Yeah, I've seen a couple. Yeah. Yeah. We like Nardwar a lot because we find that he puts people like he has knowledge and also he puts people a little off their guard, which makes them more the willing to talk because they know yeah. that they aren't getting like a standard interview. Totally. But every once in a while you see him try to interview somebody who just doesn't want to fucking talk to him because they think he's weird yeah. or they, think they he's aren't clowning to play him. along or they think he's yeah. clowning them. And just it's the most awkward experience yeah. to watch. And once or twice you've got a little hint of that and there's nothing you can do about it other than just try and show that you know something. Try and show that you're interested in what the person has to say. And, it, you know, if they don't come around, then yeah. whatever. You might still get something good out of it. <laughs> but sometimes it's just, you know. Is there, is there any- having a bad day. Yeah, 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 totally. 
Is there any on the other end? Like, is there any that you, I mean, I know it's been a long time, but is, it, is there any on the other end where you look back and you're like, God, that was such a good fucking interview, man? Like, or like. I'm trying to think of really specific ones, but there was, oh, there was one like a year ago. Uh, I interviewed Daniel B. from Front 242 uh-huh. uh, for a uh, website a couple of years ago. And he said a thing that I actually had to stop for like 10 seconds to think about because it blew my mind so much. Because <laughs> we were talking about the idea of like, uh, uh, music that moves your body, dance music, and music that engages your brain. And he's like, ah, oh, well, sometimes, you know, when you're making the music and, you know, you're playing with the filter on a synthesizer, you know, your brain and your body are engaging in the same way and it's causing you to, co- you know, it's a complete Feedback closed loop and... of doing that. And I was like, oh my God, I never even thought about that before. Yeah, yeah, whoa. And I had to stop and think about it. It was one of the best moments I've ever had talking mm-hmm. to an artist I admire. I'm trying to remember who it was. There was somebody that we had recently... Oh, darn it. Was Where it Jerome? I was... Yeah, yes, it was Jerome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, Jerome, Jerome Reuter. Reuter from Rome. Uh, uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're this um, kind of neo-folk project, but also has since expanded out in kinda, uh, all sorts of sounds and occasionally bumps into like Marshall Industrial and everything like that. Uh, and he was one of the people that we were a little starstruck by because we'd been big fans of his for a, a good long time and everything. Um, and you know, we'd never talked with him before, never met him before. A lot of the people that we interviewed, we've at least bumped into at a festival here and then and mm-hmm. have kind of done the little glad handling, like, you know, oh, well, maybe we'll get in touch with you sometime. You know, but this was, you know, kind of a, a, one of these sort of cold calls here and everything like that, but was just such a charming and clever, well-spoken, very well-educated guy who was just able to roll with the punches and come up with a lot of real insight uh into his own work or whatever it was that we were asking him on the fly and it was just like i think like we you know we, we hung up and just like high-fived each other because yeah. it's just like fuck yeah that was great we're done it was we a got good this. fun interview yeah that's sick man i love uh, dude i love that kind of shit that's so yeah. cool um well this is kind of off topic but i i just I, I you know we're all i'm facebook friends with you guys and you guys I think we have a lot of the similar like outlooks on some, you know, political stuff, whatever. I try to keep that out of the podcast, but I do wonder, and this is great because you guys are from Canada and I, and I, again, that band, no joy, I asked her the same thing. We talked about this as an outsider, right? As an outsider from an outsider's point of view. Okay. So like, how do you guys look at this whole crazy United States, like debacle, like presidential thing going on right now? Cause it's It's fucking depressing. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, for the longest time, Canadian politics was really boring. Um, we had a shitty conservative government for a long time, and their shittiness was almost like concurrent with how boring they how were. Banal. And yeah. yeah, just like they were evil and terrible, but in a way that was so boring that it was hard for people to become like outraged about. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't even whip yeah. anything up against. You know, they, like our our prime minister for many years, Stephen Harper, was like a, a total piece of shit, and I hated his guts. But he wasn't even like like a cartoonishly evil figure. He like, was a robot, Trump. right? And it was yeah. very difficult. He's for just people like a to, policy you know. wonk. Like, he was like evil a... in the way that they've been evil for hundreds of years. Yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So Canadians almost like to a person, if they're interested in politics, are interested in U.S. politics because, one, it affects us. Totally. Totally. But also because U.S. politics is generally like, you know, it's it's the big leagues, right? Like as much as I hate to put down our own political system, which I have my own problems with, when you watch U.S. politics, there's a lot more fire. There's a lot more play on the field. So there's more stuff going on. So I mean, I feel as though there's a certain danger in – us sort of kind of getting on our high horse as far as the rise of, you know, whatever you want to call it, alt-right, you know, 21st century white 
nationalism, whatever the fuck you want to say is motivating and driving uh, the whole Trump drug or not and everything like that, you know, as if to say like, oh, we're so much above that. Oh, 85 percent of Canadians would not support Trump and blah, 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 blah. You know, and that's maybe true in the abstract right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's very I feel as though it's very easy for that sort of demagoguery to take root uh, anywhere. I mean, we we did have it in uh, Canada, in Toronto, in the form of like Rob Ford, right? Like the goofy Mm -hmm. mayor who like, oh, he smokes crap and blah, 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 blah. The thing was, Rob Ford attracted that very same I'm just generally angry. I don't know why life isn't going the way yeah. I want it to. And so I'm frustrated. And, oh, this guy is telling me that I should be angry at all of these, like, big wig, corrupt politicians yeah. uh, at City Hall and everything like that. Yeah, fuck them. Get the gravy train out yeah. of here and everything like that. And he was just able to capitalize on the that. The network thing, right? Like, the, I'm oh, yeah, mad yeah. as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and if you want to capitalize on that and, you know, if you are a – a moral shitbag that, you know, doesn't mind like inciting racist violence just to, you know, advance your own goals, then you can do that and you can do that anywhere. And, um, yeah, as much as it's been kind of a horrific, you know, we're like, Oh God, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go, we, it could, you know, it could very easily happen up here. So yeah. I don't want to pat ourselves back too much. I, uh, I would put forward the idea that, um, as much as there's a part of me that wants to be like, oh, fucking Trump supporters, man, what a bunch of like assholes, pieces of shit, whatever. I kind like when people are disenfranchised, this is what happens. Yeah, when people totally. feel like they've been failed by yep. the system. Then people like who come along and promise, you know, uh, uh, an answer or a response or, or even just address those or people like their people, yep. you know. If there's one thing Trump has done, he's tapped into a sentiment that's there. Absolutely. It's not just there overnight. It's there because people feel angry that they, you know they've been failed by a system that's supposed to support them. Like 100%. I can't hate those people. Those people have fucking problems, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's just shitty that they're getting taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally. That's how I looked at the whole thing for since it's been going on. Was like. He's, you know, there's a lot of people that want to change. They feel like they've been like let down by the system and, you know, and at simultaneously have been brainwashed into thinking that this is a two party country. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't help that the libertarian guy is saying, uh, what's Aleppo? I don't know Aleppo, what that is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's that? It's so crazy to me. So yeah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's super weird. It's just, I mean, for, you know, and I don't, we don't have to get into it all, but it, it is interesting for me as someone, same thing that we were talking about earlier. It's like literally like engulfed in this negativity that is so fucking crazy. And I don't and I don't mean to use the term outsider because, again, you guys are super close to us and it does totally affect you, you know, but it's it's super crazy. I mean, it, it, you have to wonder, is it, it just as ridiculous as we feel like it is, you know, and like, oh, no, it is. It, it, yeah. yeah, no, no, no. It's I mean, like there's t- there's sometimes when I almost just like hate read the news about like any Trump related or US election related yeah. stuff. I'll just like, I just fall into like a little hole for an hour and I'm just like clicking on all these articles I should not be clicking on and reading, reading the comments when I shouldn't be reading the comments. Here's a weird thing on social media that's happened in this election and was not as present during the last election. Um, the last election there was, uh, and the election before that, especially like the first uh, time Obama was on the ticket, there was a lot of Canadians saying things on Facebook and Twitter and whatever else that were much more equivalent to like, I hope America makes the right decision. You know, mm-hmm. we hope that you know you guys, you know, you look at what's going on in your country and you know you you make the decision that's right for America. This election cycle, tons of Canadians 
whose only horse in the race is, you know, what's going on down south, not what's going on at home, are like, no, it is morally imperative that you do not do this. That <laughs> yeah, you yeah. For, you know, whatever else. In that way where it's just like Canadian Bernie supporters was the weirdest phenomenon yeah. to me because they had the same fervor and the same like, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not putting down Bernie supporters, but it just seemed weird to me how invested Canadians got in electoral candidates in the States. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. In a way that they never had been before mm-hmm, as far as mm-hmm. I can tell. It's been a weird election yeah it really has it's it's scary to me uh because you know i'm 32 and the this is the first election i've ever witnessed where it's not like i stand behind this person i agree like blah blah blah. it's it's more based on i dislike this person more so i'm gonna vote for this person you know and that's coming from the peep from like the top line politicians that are endorsing i know i know either right i know that's just like well yeah, you know, like I mean, you you know, you got characters like Paul Ryan and everything like that, where you're just like, it's obvious that you hate this. It's obvious that you hate where this is going, and yet you're still going to say like, oh, another Clinton in the White House would be the worst thing imaginable. So I just have to hold my breath. And, I know, you know, right? It's so <sighs> crazy. Yeah, ideological lines get real scary. No, dude. There's actually interesting stuff in the last Canadian election where a lot of people, uh, I think for ideological reasons crossed over from their traditional voting patterns. Um, partially because, uh, there was such a strong feeling that we had to get rid of conservative government and people felt that in their writing, kind of like their electoral district, uh, equivalent that we have here, that if they were going to vote for somebody, it was going to be the left candidate of our, uh, you know, t- two major left parties, mm-hmm. uh, three count the greens, whoever was most likely to win. That's yeah. the person you vote for just because we were trying to get rid of the conservatives. So it's a very similar thing here. Yeah. And what we ended up with was a liberal government, which is by Canadian standards, a little more centrist center. by American yeah. standards, pretty left. Like, yeah, it, yeah. interesting but I think a lot of Canadians for the first time ever were really moved to vote strategically. Mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. like a, all right, I voted NDP, you know, the national democratic party in every single election of my adult life, but I'm voting liberal this time to get rid of the conservatives, yeah, yeah. which, you know, as much as I try and make that feel like it's more of a rational decision, it is not that different than just sort of the, I hate this guy and fucking get rid of him yeah. <laughs> against that guy, not voting for well, this pro- guy. This is where proportional representation would help, which is a whole other topic. Oh, I know. Hopefully going to be getting into Canadian <laughs> politics at some point. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that was more just because like, you know, you guys are just intelligent dudes and, and, and have a different perspective. So that was, I mean, yeah, that was kind of for more for, for my my curiosity. <laughs> I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, are you into cryptozoology? Like in your- uh, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So when I was younger, yes. But now uh, it's more like, do I think Bigfoot exists? No. Do I think crazy sea creatures and ocean creatures exist? More likely to me. Absolutely. Have you ever heard of Ogopogo? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Is dude? So wait, where where is Ogopogo again? I know it's the same in, as like the Loch Ness monster in the Okanagan. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, it's super interesting to me that that's one of those things that sort of become broader in the cryptozoological world where people know about Ogopogo. Yeah. It's maybe the only thing they know about uh, in terms of like BC and sort of the the history of cryptozoology. But it's also one of those things I didn't realize was so widespread because yeah. when I was a kid, oh, yes, I was yes. just like, oh, it's like our Loch Ness monster. Yeah. And then you realize like, no, people who are serious cryptozoologists like know about this thing. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that oh, they yeah. discuss. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I dude, okay, well, Loch Ness Monster was, for me, like, when I was a kid, I had Loch Ness Monster t-shirts. Like, to me, that yeah, was yeah. like a, this is the one for me. When I was a kid, I, I, I really, 
you know, there's, there's Bigfoot to me was more just like, okay, it could be some sort of like, I'm not going to say that it's just this like gigantopithecus that just got lost, you know, is somewhere hiding in the woods. Is it, and I'm going to get a little crazy. Is it like interdimensional? Can it like switch it? You know, does it align? Can it align itself to like go in and out? Perhaps, you know, and as, as with everything, I remain in the gray, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remain in the gray and I get a lot of shit for it, but I remain in the gray. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, the Loch Ness Monster, Champ, uh, Ogopogo, yeah. that, those for me were always like, and I mean, it's vast. Those, those lakes are vast, man. And, oh, yeah, and you yeah. know, it doesn't seem that crazy to me for something like that to stay hidden. You know what I'm saying? And, and it has I thought. Oh, no. People thought giant squids were a myth. Yeah, okay. exactly. They literally thought they were a myth, yeah. and then they discovered them, and they're like, "Holy shit! They're they're totally fucking Did real." See, like, you know, sea yeah. as well, and everything. I'm exactly. actually, I actually, I just, I just recently moved, and so I've been unpacking all these books and everything, and I found this big, big spiral bound book. Uh, in which I spent an entire like half a year in like grade two doing a long-term project on Ogopogo with like, you know, like theories about why it would or would not exist. Um, ideas about language, um, methods of capture or recording it and everything like that. That's done when I was like eight or something like that. That's awesome, dude. For me, for me, I think a lot of the sea monster thing, I mean, in the ocean, absolutely. Like it is, you know, again, giant squid, coelacanth, that to me, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's sort of like, it's crazy to not think that there's a bunch of shit down there that we don't know about. Uh, but for me, I, when I was a kid, I was like super into maps, you know, and I really love maps. I have a shit ton of them. And there was, it was always that like old, drawn up map with the sea monster in the, in the lower exactly and i was always like dude this is so sick and i'm so into (laughs) that i want that so bad but dude the crazy thing about the coelacanth to me was the 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 fins and how they face downwards and Mm. how how the the pattern of like swimming was uh the equivalent of how like land animals walk on the ground today and i always thought that was so crazy and i I mean that is super cool to me i don't know i just i just always thought that was cool yeah it's it's one of those amazing things where if you think about like w- almost every square inch of this earth has been mapped at this point except for the ocean. Yeah. Oh, there's dude. so much that could be happening in the ocean. We haven't been to the bottom of the ocean Absolutely. in any way. Like there's still fissures deep down that we will never get into just for biological reasons, but who knows? Yeah. yeah. That's another thing to me that, that always seemed like a little on, again, I'm in the gray, but like, is it like a lighter gray or is it a darker gray? You know what I'm saying? So like, so, and another one to me that always kind of like has really intrigued me was like the, the cavernous and like hollow earth thing, because mm. there's so many, there's so many just like networks and networks of these underground caves and caverns that e- eventually get flooded, you know, and shit. And, and so to me, it makes total sense uh that that you could you could that there's there's areas of the earth inside inside the earth that are probably so vast that they have their own weather systems you know you can go in an airplane hangar and they have their own clouds you know Uh and that's so fucking cool to me and 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 also being closer to the center of the earth and depending on how vast you're talking like heat sources and like the different things and you know what else is really interesting to me is those uh, those geothermal vents in the ocean where there's entire ecosystems oh, that yeah, don't yeah. see sunlight, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and they, they survive off fucking like methane gas and shit, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's something totally different. And if there's something on our planet 
that doesn't need sunlight to to live and doesn't need oxygen can totally survive on something else to me that just sparks that fucking ridiculous imagination where i'm just like dude i mean how can you possibly think that there's no other life out there you know what i'm saying yeah. it, for me it's just like it, we're already looking at it it's it's we're, if we're seeing these the, these multiple species of whatever that are living on this gas that is like you know toxic to us and yeah. the, oh and the heat factor you know because they talk about the goldilocks zone which i get it like yeah it's we're still in the goldilocks zone even in that hot, super hot but it's just shows a variation in like what is needed to 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 actually be a living being you know which is so and, fucking cool to me and it, and it's inspiring really because they're the ones who are going to be taking everything over after we've completely like oh, you know, flooded ourselves out and we're all extinct anyway absolutely so, you know. and and yeah. house cats so yeah. that's it. I'm a I'm I'm a big cat guy, and it's very true. Like I love this motherfucker, but she's just using me because it's easy. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm gone, she's gonna be fine. And yeah. like they're compact, and like they feed themselves. It's I, I love that. I love that whole thing. Our intern house cat is uh, yeah not doing his fucking job. Yeah, <laughs> we let oh, him never get a cat as an intern. We let him write one article a year. Basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably super negative and hateful, and, <laughs> and, and, and while he's still getting everything that they need, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so what? Uh, back on track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what do you guys like? I mean, what is the? I don't know. I want to, I don't want to say end game, but where do you see all this in the future? Where do you see the website? Where do you see the podcast? You, is it just something you, cause it seems like you guys have a great thing going, you know, and it, and it doesn't like as an outsider looking in, it's like, you don't need to change anything. So like, what do you guys see? Where do you guys see it going? You know, keep doing it as long as it's fun. Stop yeah. doing it when it stops being fun. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we have, you know, I could, I could, and I did actually a little while ago, come up with a little like bucket list of like people that I would like to interview and things like that. Like there's all sorts of, you know, kind of, projects that I could point to, whether it's writing projects or, or interviews or, you know, live concert stuff and everything like that, that would be really fun uh, parts of or modules or, you know, add-ons or something like that. But basically, yeah, this is, I mean, we, we, we recently started doing a Patreon just about a month ago. Uh, so we're getting a little bit of, you know, money in through that and that's awesome and everything, but it really has to be fun. I mean, that's sort of, we, uh, we had loads of conversations about this when, in terms of DJing, right? Because, yeah you know, yeah, you get beer money and whatever, but it's not enough to, you know. Yeah. I'm sure you see it, uh, you know, in, in, in your world as well, where people hold on to a thing cause they're used to doing it long past the point where they care about doing it just cause it's habit for them. And yeah. you don't ever want to fall into that trap. Like oh, man. it's better to, to decide when you're going to end something mm -hmm. than it is to keep doing it just because you're used to doing it yeah. or you like the money or in the case of DJs because you want to be girls or whatever, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's whatever it is, but we're still having fun. So we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Barry Sanders. That's all. I, you know, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Dude. But, uh, that's really cool, man. Like I, I do, I do like to end on this a lot. Like just cause again, this is like kind of, you know, it's 50% of why I started doing this. Like if there was, if there was someone out there, you know, young or old that was just like, man, I really want to do a podcast. I really want to do this. Like what are, what is like one or two just like mm -hmm. key things that you think has like helped you guys get to where you are or, or, or what has, what is like just a, you know, a piece of advice that you would give someone like that? There's the thing that you always say, which is that you should be treating every episode as if it is the first time 
uh, for at least one person listening to it, that at least one person out there is hearing your shit for the first time. Mm -hmm. So let them get in on the ground floor. Don't get too cute with the in jokes or the, you know, the, the references and everything like that and be giving them something that can be uh, immediately engaging uh, from the get-go. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's at least one thing I would say. That's a huge thing and the regular schedule thing. That's it. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. totally. It, it, it's, it's just showing up. Like it's, it sounds so entitled and it sounds so whiny or whatever, but like I get antsy and irritated if a podcast that I like is just like, oh yeah, two, three weeks off, not really sure why, haven't given us an update and everything like that. And whatever. I mean, it's podcasting, people are doing it for free and everything like that. But it, oh, it, it irks you. Hey, oh, it's, it's my true. Wednesday morning commute. I need That's my show. Thing. I know. I need this shit to get to work you know, not hating everything. So that's, that's what I use podcasts for. That's so true, man. The schedule thing is like something that I really like, w w like open my eyes to Cause it's, it's so true, man. And, and, and you're right. Thinking about it from a listener standpoint, dude, when Dan Carlin doesn't put out a fucking episode, I'm like, dude, come on, yeah. man. And he goes like months in between. And I'm like, fuck man. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Dude. I, I really like, this is such a great, Great. I'm, I mean, I knew this was going to be a good interview, but I'm so fucking happy you guys came on here. I, I oh, seriously course, appreciate of it. Of course. Alex, Bruce, I die, you die. Uh, we have a technical. It's super fucking cool. I appreciate it from a fan point, and I appreciate you guys coming on here. Thank you so much, dude. Thank you so Thank much you for having us on. Here. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, really, really fucking great. So I will see you guys soon. I'll see you guys in L.A., actually. Right Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool, man. I'll see you guys later. All right. So that was Alex and Bruce from iDieUDie.com, and we have a technical. Super cool dudes. I was very, very excited about that interview because it was just a lot of good information for everybody, but also good information for me because these guys have been doing this for a really long time, and I was really excited. So speaking of excitement, producers. So we have Nate Berger. We have Muhammad Abbasi. It's good to see both those guys on there again. It's like, it feels good to have some sort of like regularity in producers because it's just fucking awesome. And it's cool that those guys feel like they can contribute a little bit every month, every couple weeks, whatever. And it's all welcome. Thank you guys so much. And then we have the amazing Brian Proto, right? You guys remember Brian Proto? He was on one of our episodes a long time ago. He was one of the first people to really help out this podcast and just like, and, and be open to talk about what he does. And it was really cool. So those are today's producers. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. And again, thanks to everybody that helps out. We really appreciate everything by we, I mean me and the red pill, the kitty, um, who's on the other side of the island. So I love you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, again, I'm in the Bay Area. I feel really good. So today... I'm I'm going to leave you guys with someone that I really miss, a good friend of mine. He runs, uh, him and his brother run RS94109 Records in the TL, in SF. His name is Skander, and I love the guy. Uh, this is Skander with Dirge. Peace. <laughs>